welcome back to What We Started EDM, where we talk with producers, agents, labels, and really anyone else in the EDM industry that can help us learn and grow. I'm your host, Ted, and I talk EDM. Today, we speak with Spiritlink, the 19-year-old who recently dropped a track with Slashy. Most recently, Spiritlink dropped a track on Subsidiate, and he's rumored to have an album coming out. In this episode, we talk about branding strategies that Spiritlink is using that have paid off big time for other artists and is already paying out for himself. You do not want to miss this episode. Awesome, I'm here with Spiritlink, and I want to get started by learning how you got started in music in the first place. Well, when I was 12, I was very big into like gaming. So I just play a lot of games all day, every day. I wasn't a sporty person at all. Uh, but like through that, I came across like most people NCS through like the YouTube videos. And at that time, I think Alan Walker Fade was just about blowing up. I think it was on like 5 million. When I saw it, um, and that, that's when I, like, I, I first heard EDM. And then what, around 12, I was like, I just came across the question of how they made uh, electronic music since didn't really sound like instruments. So through Googling, I found FL, FL Studio. And I started using that. So, and then for like the first like three, four years of producing, didn't really take it seriously at all. I was just messing around with it. And then suddenly I got a, a huge urge to like really get into it at one point. I, I think it was when I was around 16. So I started the entire brand Spiritlink to kind of like see where I could actually take it if I uh, went serious with it. Uh, and I just kept going at it for the next sort of uh, three years after that I've been going now. I think it's coming up on four. But uh, that's pretty much how I started out. It was just through YouTube videos. Uh, it's been very uneventful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, for making stuff. That's exciting, man. So did you... You really didn't have any prior music experience, right? You just... No, I had not zero knowledge. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I don't have any musical people in my family. Like a lot but, of people can play guitar, but that's it. Yeah. So really, you just did your research. I uh, you downloaded eventually FL Studio and learned from YouTube videos. I didn't even uh, I learned at first through YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, but like when I first started, I didn't even. I never played an instrument before, so my music theory was completely lacking. Oh, it sounded like com like completely awful. And yeah, that you started making music, right? When did you start releasing music? Because I know you released music before Spirit Link. Yeah, so I had, I went through a, a, like four different names at first. Uh, first was like my old Xbox generated username. Uh, process pack 648 classic uh, then after that I just went with my legal name uh, Joshua Myler that's just uh, but then after I think I, I went with my full name for years after that I think it was like maybe another four years uh, I went with that which went absolutely nowhere uh, but yeah no, I, I released I think ever since I started I was posting remixes but like just on youtube but i i officially released first in 2019 on spotify that was the first release i had mm. when you say official release do you mean like an original song or what makes it official uh, well official the difference between like an unofficial and official release would be more so of you have it on all streaming platforms so, like, if it's just on YouTube and SoundCloud, you've just uploaded it there. But, like, if it's fully released, it'll be on Apple Music, Spotify. Mm, that's when you started using a distributor for your music, right? Yeah. Mm. Awesome. And but at that time, were you Spirit Link or were you still Joshua Myler? At first, it was Joshua Myler. And then it was, I think, 2020. I, I kind of came up with the idea of starting a new brand with like COVID kind of going on. Yeah. But uh, that's where Spirit Link started. Yeah, man. And talk to me about this sudden urge you got 
to take this seriously? I can't remember exactly what it was. I saw an Instagram post uh, from some artist that I can't remember who it was, but there's something about it, about like just the lifestyle that just seemed really intriguing to me. Like more so than the idea of like going to college, getting a degree, then going into work. That like none of that really appeals to me at all. Still doesn't. But uh, the with music, I there's just everyone's it seems to just be enjoying themselves and having fun creating, yeah. and that kind of that just really piqued my interest, I guess. Yeah, man. Like you... all, all that sounds amazing to a sixteen-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it seems like it's been going pretty well for you, right? Yeah, it re it's been really doing well uh, in the past year mm. for the first two years of spirit link it was more so how many songs can i get out mm. in like <laughs> the span of time that i have and so it's just been trying to be as consistent as possible in the past year like i've gotten all these connections with like slushy uh i just a lot of behind the scenes stuff is going on so 2024 is going to be good oh yeah i mean yeah just getting started now is exciting yeah yeah. yeah. Talk to me about that, man. How did you get in contact with, with Slushy in the first place? It was through the most original means possible. Yeah. I sent him an email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is so unoriginal. <laughs> it was literally nothing special. It was like a textbook method of getting in contact with somebody. Yes. <laughs> I'd made a song which is coming out next year. Uh, I, what was it called again? I can't remember the name. I have so many underneath, but uh, I sent him a song and uh, he listened to it. And then I was like, okay, he listened to it, did nothing. He probably didn't like it. And then I woke up the next morning to him following me on Instagram. Right. I was like, okay, <laughs> I think he does like it. <laughs> uh, and then after that, I, I messaged him. I was like, yo, uh, if you're down to play Fortnite at any point, I'd be down. <laughs> and then we just started playing Fortnite. <laughs> and that's what? how us becoming friends became a thing. And then when it came to the music side of things, I think it was while we were playing Fortnite, I had mentioned that I had been working on this, like on a project for like a year. And I just finished it. And I, I sent it to him. And he enjoyed it so much. That uh, now, with his new label, Sonic Dream, uh, I'm going to be signing the project to Sonic Dream. Uh, the, right. that, the collab came about. And now, so it's just it's just been a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, man. And it's all because you sent that original email, right? All because of that email. <laughs> That's crazy. And it I'm sure... What would have happened without that email? That is crazy, man. I'm sure a lot of people in your position, position too might think, Oh, there's no way he's going to even listen to this. So why even send it? Oh, yeah. In the first place. Well, see, I do think it was, I sent it at the right time for him to see it. But like everyone underestimates the power of an email. <laughs> email is so useful in the music scene. Like everyone's like DMing them on Instagram, like Facebook, Discord. Send them a really nicely written email and you'll get their attention. Like, that's the best way of doing it. You think it comes off as, like, more authentic? If, I think the, the perfect in-between when talking to another artist through email is, like, semi-nonchalant and casual, but, like, professional where it needs to be. That's, like, you can be a bit goofy with the email, like, crack a joke. It doesn't have to be fully serious, but, like, keep it, like, restraint like be as straightforward as possible and just try and get their interest that's pretty much the only way to do it you sent him like a, like a boring email then like they, you won't interest them at all they won't care yeah yeah and it's a mix of being authentic and also just sounding professional and yeah exactly getting their interest too like, the, the thing with the, the music industry is, like, when you're in the underground, it's full. 
But once you get to like real business side of things, then you have to be serious. Because if you're not, you're just not really gonna get far with any deals or anything because you're not really trying. So being professional when you, you have to be and knowing how to do that is definitely a big skill to learn, to, you know, grow as not just an artist, just as a person. How, how did you learn how to do that? So I, I have a manager uh, who's been kind of teaching me all the in industry stuff who I've, I've been with since 2020. Uh, so he's been kind of showing me like the correct way to approach deals or talking to artists. Yeah. That's been really helpful. Awesome, man. Awesome. How did you meet this manager? I, so he made a song in 2019 and I, I heard it, liked it and did a random remix and tagged him on my Instagram story and miraculously he saw it. Yeah. <laughs> and liked it. So I just sent him more songs and he asked to manage me. So that's pretty much right. it. <laughs> that's so crazy. And again, it's just just trying to get in touch with someone. It and... is it's a lot of trying to get in touch with somebody, but not like aggressively trying. Yeah. Like don't scare the person away. Like yes. don't be tagging them every single day to get their <laughs> attention. Yeah. If they want to be associated with you they'll put in the work to do so as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they find you interesting, they'll contact you. That's that's just how artists are. Like, if you see someone who's, like, really cool music and you think that, like, they have a lot of potential and you want to work with them, you'll go out of your way to talk to them. But if there's someone that's really boring, annoying you every day with Instagram <laughs> stories, <laughs> you're like, leave me alone. <laughs> and the last thing you want to do is is work with them. Yeah. That's, there's just ways of approaching it. Like I got a message, uh, about like a week and a half ago from this person on discord and they sent me a demo and I listened to it. And I said like, it's not really what I'm, uh, what I want to, what I want to work on right now. And instead of his casual response being all right, fine, like understandable. He responded with, oh, we can do it later. I'm like, what, the <laughs> what do we need? <laughs> what does that mean? Like, they were, they were like, act, like, really pushing for me to work on it that day. I was like, what are you? <laughs> yeah. It's relaxed. But I, yeah, it's just one of those things. Don't be aggressive with the artist. Do not. And like, do you really want to work with someone that doesn't want to work with you either? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of business side of, like, collaborations. But if you don't have to deal with that, then you won't deal with it. And you'll just work with people that you like to work with. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, like for you, like, Sashi is someone that you have fun with playing, like, Fortnite. Oh, yeah. He's such a nice guy. Like, he's he's a lovely person. He, he let me uh, stay with him for two weeks when I went to L.A. Uh, late uh, October. You stayed at his well for just, two weeks? Yeah. Yeah, I was crashed that space for three <laughs> weeks. It was great. That's so cool, man. What the heck? Yeah, no, he's he's such a nice guy. What'd you all do in LA? I was just running around LA working on music with people. That was pretty much the entire point of the trip. It was just like going to LA, meeting all the people, because I live in Ireland. There are no electronic producers in Ireland. I don't know a single person who makes EDM in this country. That's crazy. I know nobody. Yeah. So it's it was it was enjoyable to be able to be in a room with other producers and be able to just work on music. So that was pretty much the entire point of the trip. So I got to work with people like uh Kiro, E Halls. Just a lot of really sick people. Yeah. What what did that look like? How how did you guys work on music together? Uh well, me and Slushy, we were sitting on his couch on our laptops. <laughs> Yeah. It was so unprofessional. It was unbelievably unprofessional. <laughs> it was just the most casual gamer way of doing things. Of just sit on the couch, have some food, make music. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need, though, man. Like, it doesn't need to be a yeah, professional. Like, I think I went to a studio once. Like, I was in a... I went to Pixel Terror's studio. And then... Every other studio I went to... I went to the Dimax studio as well. 
but everywhere else that I worked on music, it was like the apartment that I rented out for the last couple of weeks that I stayed in LA. We just went there and worked on music or in Julian's place. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So you never really had like a real studio session, right? I had one at the Dimac Studios. That was the, the only like real professional studio session I had. But uh, yeah, no, it was just having fun. And I and I like work on music. That was it. Yeah. Is that where you and Sashi made the collab or was that done remotely? No. So when we made the collab, I was still here working a full-time job. So mm. I couldn't really go anywhere. Uh, but it was just, I sent him the ID, which was extremely different to the release version. But uh, I sent him the ID and he liked it. So I just sent him the stems. And we worked on it that way. But we did work on more music while I was in LA, of course. Mm. How, when you collab on a song with someone, do you typically send the stems or do you send like the, the project files or what's, what's your I preferred way? I prefer to work with stems because like if you give me stems and MIDI, I can do anything with it. Like that's peak like mm. creativity because you can manipulate audio files a lot easier than you can manipulate like plugins or like mm. synth. It's just a lot easier when it's an audio format to just have fun with it. So I prefer to do it that way. But some people like the project better. Mm -hmm. Does Lushy use FL Studio as well? He uses FL and Ableton. Mm -hmm. So do I. I use Ableton there. But oh, you I do? Use FL. I only switched to Ableton like three or four weeks ago when I went to LA. <laughs> you just and, uh, Ableton. And Slushy was showing me everything he was doing at Ableton. I was like, I need to get this. <laughs> Thanks. So I'm uh, assuming you're still figuring it out, right? There's a, there's a learning curve. Yeah. It, it's so different to FL Studio, but once you learn, like once you can use the two of them, it's amazing. Was there anything specific that you liked better about it? Like what did you see that you wanted? With Ableton, it was just how quick the workflow was. And a lot of the, there's a few effects that Ableton has that FL doesn't, or FL has a much worse version of. So Ableton is just, when it comes to processing sounds, significantly better. It's just way better. But F FL Studio, I like a lot of the features when it comes to the layout. And they have this new one where you can separate uh, it's like AI stem separation. So it'll uh, use AI to take individual parts out of a song. So like the drums, it'll separate that from the song or the, the vocals. You'll just have the vocal and no instrumental at all. And you can do that in FL, which I really like. That's crazy that they implemented that into FL. It's, the thing that made it more con like amazing to me was the fact that they didn't make it a paid service. They made it free, like an actual just built-in feature. <laughs> just which is really sick <laughs> anyone can use it That's yeah so it's just, cool. it was just it was a really there's benefits to the two of them but using both is the best it's just a learning curve but once you learn both of them then yeah you can exactly. do anything cool man I want to learn more about the collab how was the artwork made I really like the artwork where it's like half you and half him yeah, so uh, he knows he's a friends with a uh, I think I forgot his name. I think his name was uh, what was it again? Jesus, I'm I'm a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> Santiago, Santiago, Jesus, <laughs> but his name is Santiago, and he's so good at like digital art. And so he he uh, got Santiago to make the artwork, and he just killed it. Yes. Yeah, man. I and usually get my artworks from uh, a friend of mine who does the artwork for the label Exobolt. Uh, Emmy, she's really good. But on my recent EP release, she did the artwork for that. Do you send her like a, a basic idea, like for, for what you want, or how does that work? Yeah, well, I based like she'll just ask me what do I want, like the general aesthetic to be like, or like what kind of picture. So. Like, I'll just give her a very, like, basic description of what I want it to look like. And then she'll just take it from there. And so nice. And typically you get back a result where, like, you don't need to do revisions or anything. You're just happy with it? Oh, yeah. Like, Dave, both Santiago and Amy uh, and Emmy are, like, just really, really sick. 
Like they're both really good at what they do. That's so nice, man. Having people like that that you can work with. It really is just a lot of freedom to have people as talented as them to like just help out with the songs. Because it's it's the same thing as like I want to like get vocals on a song. I'll best of vocalists. And if they want, you know, an instrumental, they'll ask me to make them an instrumental. It's just working in conjunction with everybody and just enjoying the process. Mm. That's the fun part. And to have people that are like good at what they do around you, that's just even better. <laughs> yeah, it's Yeah, it's and you work with the Sash team, I'm sure you learned a lot. Like you already got Ableton. Was there anything oh, else yeah. that you learned that like specifically? It's a lot of industry stuff. Like how a lot of it works where you, you can really get screwed over without even like realizing it. It's it's stuff like that. And it's it's very complicated for me to explain because even not like I don't fully understand it. Like he's taught me a lot of like really simplistic things about like contracts that I didn't even know about before. And like a lot of different ways that you can just get screwed over. And like that, those little lessons that he's learned along the way. That's the more important stuff that I've learned from him. Because, it, like, learning new music techniques is great and all, but, like, you could be the greatest artist alive, but if you don't know the industry, you're just going to get screwed over by it. But, uh, no, yeah, it was just a lot of industry talk and a few techniques he showed me at Ableton, which were really cool. There was a one with an 808 where I'd never seen anybody. I've never seen anybody produce the way that Slushy does. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. He, any normal producer looking at the way he produces will think he's insane. <laughs> the way he does it. <laughs> but uh, no, just it was, it was really interesting. Yeah, man. How can you get screwed over? It would be like a label that takes advantage of you. So uh, in a lot of contracts, they'll have like really sneaky sentences that are like, they don't, when you first read it, it doesn't seem like it could be interpreted a different way. But like, if you really try and dig deep into like the actual core of what it's trying to say, it could be used in like multiple different aspects. So um, like a lot of labels will try and get more songs from you in a contract. So they'll have something about the next few releases you have to send straight to them. You can't send anywhere else. That is crazy. And I know I know a lot of artists who've gotten stuck in that who didn't realize. So they they sent, signed a song to this label and the next 10 songs they made, they had to send to them. Dude. And <laughs> they, had no, they had no choice on whether they wanted to sign them or not. If they wanted to sign them, he had to sign them there. Like, it's ridiculous. Oh, and they don't even explain that to you, right? That's more so hidden in the contract? That it's, they try to hide it. Unless they don't. Unless that's like an actual thing that you want. Yeah. <laughs> then they yeah. won't hide it, but <laughs> a lot, they will try and hide that a lot of the times. It's, it's, that one is an easy one to spot. That That's, quite simple but they some labels just won't tell you out front that that's a thing on the contract and they just expect you to read it like with every label I've signed with so far none of them have even like tried to run me through the contract they just send me the contract and let me deal with it they don't say anything about it so it's that's where it gets dodgy because some labels they'll sit you down and you your team and theirs will run through the contract together that doesn't happen. <laughs> wow. And I'm assuming Slushy's label, you work with him, I'm assuming he's pretty transparent. You like, make sure you understand everything. Oh, yeah. No, like, yeah. He's, he is such, like, he is the type of person that just enjoys being with people. And he's just an outrageously nice person. It, it does seem, at least from my experience, that a lot of the producers in the music industry or at least in EDM specifically yeah are all like very nice genuine it's a good people it's 
it, it is uh, most people are very nice there are a lot of people yeah i'll say most i'm, I'm gonna leave it <laughs> <laughs> no more elaboration i'll just leave it at most people no have you had bad experiences ever uh personally i've actually had a really good run of not getting hate and i don't it it really weirds me out because I'm sure at a certain point all the hate that I've missed out on is gonna all flood in at once time. <laughs> but uh, no, I've had pretty good experiences in the industry. That's good to hear, man. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, awesome. And I know you said you started getting into music with NCS, and specifically around the time when Alan Walker's fade was on there and it was like just starting yeah. to blow up but you, it, you also have a song on ncs right i do yes a released yeah. end of 20 or 2022 i think yeah, it was october how did that happen it was again the power of an email is really yeah it's insane <laughs> it's so i've had contact with ncs for years i've had their emails um but uh it was it was kind of just me and Steven Swalsauce just made this song and it kind of just felt like an NCS song. Like, you, you'll have those labels where there's a, generally a vibe that they all go for. Like, Monster Cat, they have much more professional sounding songs than NCS. Like, they, they're, they sound way more marketable mainstream in comparison to NCS, which is really just for background music for YouTube videos or if you're just playing games and you just want music in the background. NCS is very background music-y sort of stuff when it comes to electronic music. So with Stay With Me, it kind of felt like the most gaming song I've ever made. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, we'll give NCS a try because that kind of just feels like home for it. Yeah. Uh, and then I just sent Dan, the head A&R, an email and he liked it. So it, was, it wasn't really anything shocking of like oh ncs you know emailed me and they want to you know sign like 200 songs and yeah. <laughs> all that but uh it was it was very simple yeah man how long did that take like they said they liked it they want to put it out it took it took a while it was i think we had set, i'd sent it to them in april of 22 and in a, about a month after that was when like it really started picking up with like contracts and like talk with artworks and then it released in October after that. So it took about I think yeah, half a year ish. Yeah. Which from what I've heard is not too long. Like some labels is over a year. It's, but it's still a lot oh, of yeah, time. There was, was one label, uh Future Base Records that I signed with that took a year for that song Dude, to come out. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. It was some labels have a weird way of releasing songs in the timeline that they release songs with. NCS is one where they just sign so many songs and they release every like couple of days. So they just have a huge back catalogue. Uh, but six months is fairly decent for the music scene. Usually I sign songs, it'll take about two, three months when it comes to smaller labels. That makes sense, it's a smaller label. That's pretty quick. That's not bad. At, I mean, two to three months is not bad at all. But a year, after it's, a year, it's very. Like I can, um, like some labels. Like uh, I had the song come out in I think it was twenty twenty one, called Dangerous, and I'd made it like two weeks before Halloween, and I uh, I was talking to Danny, the owner of Bass Rebels. I was like, "Can we get this out on Halloween?" Because I think that Halloween was like on a Friday or something. It was like the perfect day to release it. And uh, he just said, yeah. <laughs> and so two weeks later, the song came out. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> like, once you can distribute your own songs, you could do it in a day. Like, it's really not that hard to really put it out. But when you're signing with labels, expect a long wait time. Like, yeah. six months for NCS, I'm sure is very short. Like, I'm a lot of labels... I know, like, when it comes to, like, working with smaller artists, it it could take a year plus. But, um, like, when it comes, the bigger you get, the sooner that they'll put your song out. 
sort of thing. Yeah, it's like if if you if I had like ten million monthly listeners went to Monster Cat, I want this released next week. They'll do it. Like yes, <laughs> without question. <laughs> It's just the way that labels operate because they know that they'll make money off of it and it makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So what does that contract with NCS look like? Like I don't I really don't understand how they make money, honestly. Well, you you won't make money, trust me, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you will not make money online when it comes to music. It is impossible. So far off of a song that has like See, this is see. There's three artists on stay with me. The NCS song, yeah. So it's we have to split it with the label and the three artists. So on every single label contract, it's fifty fifty, fifty to the label, fifty to the artists. Mm-hmm. Easy deal. You can't complain too much. Um, but when it gets to multiple artists, that's when there's nobody at all. Yeah. So I think. Stay with me. Got I think it's on like a hundred and something thousand streams. Uh, I don't check it too often on YouTube, but uh, on Spotify. On Spotify, it's on like five hundred k or something on YouTube, but we don't see the money from YouTube. I think all the, I think the contract was yeah, all the money went to. Uh, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. But yeah, it's it's just a fifty fifty split. Very simple. Uh, that's every contract. So. You wouldn't really get paid too much. But I'm assuming the main reason you do it is for the promotion? Or why do you do it? Yeah. So mostly it's for... We sign to labels for online stuff because everyone knows you will not make money online when it comes to music off of just purely streams unless you're getting hundreds of thousands of streams a week. Um, But even then, like that's not... I think that's depending on how many like good label deals you got. You won't really make make money regardless. But it's it's really just. I think the most I got paid off of a song that got like four hundred thousand streams was like two hundred quid. But that was over the time span of like two years. A hundred dollars a year. A hundred dollars a year was my income off music. <laughs> <laughs> sustainable at best but yeah it's you know it's it's really atrocious when it comes to online money making so how do you make money is it through touring or what's the plan for that shows shows and ghost productions are the two main ways of making money in the electronic music scene ghost productions not so much anymore because everyone's realizing how easy it is to really get into making music and how their money could be way better spent getting tutoring <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people are realizing that now but like ghost productions are ghost productions and shows that's the only two ways you really make money and if you had like song like writing credits or producing credits on like a song that blew up and you got like royalty splits from that those are the only ways you'll really make money but if it's just off of your own songs getting streams and you get like an average amount of streams you're not making anything Ghost Productions, how much do you make Ghost Producing a song? Do you know anything about that? Uh, it, it all depends on who the client is and who the producer is. It like If you're a small producer, you, will, you can't bargain for much because you don't have the back catalog to prove your worth. Yes. Uh, but I'm not going to get into an exact number. No. But- I'll give like I don't I've only done like two ghost productions in like the entire time I've done music yeah the first one I'll give you the first one I this was the first ghost production I ever did was I had a zero back catalog I had like just started Spirit Link yeah I got paid like 300 quid for it yeah and then after that it was it was more than that it was I, I won't say exactly how much the second one was but okay it was not enough to sustain me for a month. I'll say that. If, if, if no. I was paying rent, I couldn't pay rent with that money. Like, it was, you really have to be able to prove your worth to make money. And that's yeah. a difficult thing to do. Yeah. Especially with, like you said, everyone is realizing how easy it is. Not maybe not, it's not easy to make music, but it's very doable if you put in the work. It's unbelievably easy, actually. It's, yeah. <laughs> people don't. People really don't get it's not that hard. 
it is just a lot of time. That's yes. it. It's a lot of time and a lot of dedication, but it's not difficult. All the information is there. It's just really learning is. how to use the information correctly. And there is no correct way. So it's <laughs> if it sounds good, it sounds good. That's the bottom line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you said Slash Sheep. Song is made to say. Like Slash Sheep produces in a way that you said you've never seen before, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, it's a sin. It's a, <laughs> the way he brings it, it's a sin. <laughs> how, how do you produce? I want to know, like, wh what's your workflow? I've been told I have a really, really fast workflow. Oh, you do? Like, I, I make a lot of songs. I don't release a lot of songs. I make a lot of songs. But um, I mean, how many is a lot? Well, I can give you a general estimate. Uploaded on my SoundCloud account, I have 232 songs. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uploaded. That's like 40, 41 of those are released. And 19 of them are unofficial remixes. So out of 60 released songs, the 170 of them are not out and have just been made. And that's not even all of them because that's all I put on sack. I have a ton more that aren't on SoundCloud. So I think my back catalog is we're really pushing a 500 mark. <laughs> just song, songs sitting there. That's insane. And that's in the past, like, that is in the past year and a half. Oh, this is only for Sphere Link. This is not even this is only for Sphere Link. No, no, no. Like, in my time of making music, in all my time, I'm sure i've made upwards of like three thousand projects that is insane that <laughs> uh but not finished of course but i've just started a lot of ideas yeah yeah so the only finished songs are the ones i'm out yeah <laughs> but uh how, how do you what start an like idea the, well starting an idea it see it all really depends there's no one way of starting an idea it's you could just open fl studio or ableton and suddenly just press buttons and something works. <laughs> and you're like, this is cool. Or like you go on like splice, get like a guitar loop and start there. It's it all depends on like what your brain is doing on that day. Because like sometimes I'll start a song which is a, a synth loop that I found and kind of just manipulate that and try and come up with something different but cool. Or I'll just like go on to like my piano. And just like whip out some chords and then do something. <laughs> it all just depends on like what I'm feeling. So you start with some kind of inspiration, but that could come from anywhere. It's, yeah, it could literally come from the air. I could like like flick a glass of water and like it could have such a nice tonal resonance to it that I'll just like record it and put it in a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that is something I've done before. Like I was I was a uh, I was at a crosswalk. I pressed the button and the light was going off for me to walk. But it had this really cool, like, rapid fire beep. I was like, I could do something with this. So instead of walking across the road, I whipped out my phone and recorded it on voice notes. Yeah. <laughs> I looked insane to all the people driving cars. I was just there standing at the traffic light with my phone up to the, the button. <laughs> just staring at it. <laughs> Did you yeah. release that song or no? No. No, no it was awful. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> but also, no, it, there's, there's just fun ways of doing things like that. Yeah. And then and then, where do you go from there? You start with this inspiration. How do you build it into a, a completed song? Uh, well, it, that, it just depends on what you do with the sound. So... Like, you could turn it into more of a percussive sound and then use it as, like, a drum loop, and then from there, you could, like, build out a melody or chords after the drum loop and, like, match it to the drum loop sort of thing. It all depends on, like, what style you're kind of going for. Like, you could just... Like, there have been times where I, I have, like, one thing, and then 
I have the entire idea for like vocals in my mind. And then I just record that over this with no drums, no nothing. And then I take it from there. It really just whatever piece of inspiration hits you first. And you'll, you can never decide that for when it happens. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how you are able to, to create and like finish so many songs. Uh, I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. See, the thing is, I thought it was completely normal to like be making as many songs <laughs> as I do. Yeah. Until I realized it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So now I don't understand it myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I do think that has been a part of your success. So like, getting better, it's just oh, the yeah. and. I also think it has something to do with the fact that I like have no life outside of music. <laughs> so I, You're focused. I, I had all this time. Yeah, I like that better. Focused. That's, yeah. that's the better way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it's, yeah, I've just been constantly working on music for years. And I think that's kind of now that's been paying off. But like that takes a lot of. You could say so I sacrificed nothing, but I had nothing to sacrifice. So I didn't <laughs> I didn't need to do anything with that. But like if you live a normal life, you'd need to sacrifice some things. Yes. Socially the biggest time. part. The so social aspect of music production is depressing. <laughs> that is sad. <laughs> if you're like a real underground musician and you're like you're really going full at it, most of your days you are sitting in your room for like the entire twenty four hours making a song. That's that's pretty much what that looks like. Yeah. And that's been you before? What'd you say? Has that, that's been you before too? Just sitting in a room all day trying to make music? Yeah. That, that has never changed. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of my element though. That's, I thrive in that space. I enjoy being a recluse. Like yes. just not leaving bands. Like I, I'll, I'll go out with my friends, but I don't enjoy partying. Just not my thing. As even though, I, like, eventually I'm going to be doing shows, <laughs> partying is not my vibe. It is. I don't enjoy that social aspect of things, so I just avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Or well, I, I think doing shows, like performing, is very different than actually going to the shows and partying. Oh yeah, that's why I'm completely fine with it. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to get paid money for standing here for an hour. Hell yeah, and playing music <laughs> that you want to play. Let me just whip out the Spotify playlist. Yeah. Autoplay. <laughs> Crossfade between songs. That's... <laughs> it's just the, the perfect hack. Yeah, Matt. Uh, production, is there anything that you learned that was really helpful? Like any tips you might have? Oh, yeah. There, there, there's one. If you're making the genre that I'm making, like melodic bass with like big chord stacks, there is a like an actual cheat sheet of, of things to do. do are yeah. you a producer or do you just like enjoy EDM? I produce too, yeah. Yeah. So like with big super saws, you cut the lows up until for like the actual just like chords element of it. Yeah. You cut the lows up until 200 hertz. And then for the mid bass, you cut the lows up until 100. And then for the sub bass, you cut the highs down to 200 and that is just giving the sub the mid bass and the chords its own space to work mm. and that has been the most helpful thing i've learned at all throughout production when it comes to producing that's that's the best thing that i learned because that just instantly made my chord stacks sound like super clean clean and probably like loud too and that, that is when it comes to chord stacks, see, I could go, I could talk for hours about chord stacks because that's just my thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's that's the bare basic mixing tip that not a lot of people know. Is there an actual cheat sheet out there? No. There's, no. <laughs> this is, this is just something. Make it. Like um, Roy Knox Affinity. They both yeah. told me this exact thing. On completely separate occasions, like two years apart, they said this to me. I was like, where did you both find this information? Yeah. <laughs> How did you learn this? <laughs> but yeah, that's the general consensus is just that exact technique. 
has been the biggest help for me. So you said cut highs uh, above 200. For the chords, cut the lows all the way up until 200 hertz. For the mid bass, cut the lows all the way up until 100 hertz. And sometimes you can cut the highs. That that doesn't really matter how much. You'll, if the high end is a bit messy, then just cut the highs on the mid bass. And then the sub, cut the highs down to 200 hertz. That's just enough, the, yeah. It's a very easy technique, but helps so much. Yes. Awesome, man. I, what plugins do you use most? And it could be like a stock plugin. It could be like anything. What, what do you see yourself consistently using when you make music? OTT. The, <laughs> the number one go-to. <laughs> uh, serum, serum, serum. 100%. Yes. Uh, Analog Lab by Arturia. Fantastic. So good. And uh, there's one that I've been using in Ableton on every sub-base 808 uh, erosion that is just perfect for subs and then this is such an OG one but Sausage Fattener that is mm-hmm. a goaded plugin yes well, yeah, what do you use Sausage Fattener usually uh, 808 to sub-base now I don't use Sausage Fattener all the time it's only if I want a specific sound to the bass like, I, I don't like using it on kicks because it makes every kick almost sound the same. And I, it's really weird. Like, if it's, a, if it's a trap kick, every time I put Sausage Fattener on it, it gives me the exact same texture. And I don't like it at all. But on 808s, it's amazing. I didn't know, man. Uh, you launched Spirit Link about three years ago, you said, like around COVID? Yeah, 2020. I think it was May of 2020 the first song came out. And it's been going really well. You said it's grown a lot in the, like, the past year specifically, right? Yeah, in the past year, it's just completely got off the rails when it comes to like the background stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of unbelievably cool things are happening, which will be shared soon, but not right now. It's just it's taken a bit longer than expected. <laughs> oh, dude, there's more to come? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Dude, I'll give you I'll give you a general rundown of what I'm sitting on. Okay. Of so there's one big project. There's one really big project that's finished. Um and there's a ton of singles. I I, I cannot give you a number on how many singles there are, but <laughs> there is um so let me count the amount of EPs I have in the work. Now these these are not gonna become all coming out next year. Like these are probably mm-hmm. going to be 2025 20, even mm-hmm. when these come out because it's just a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so there's one, two, three, four, uh, five, six EPs. Six EPs I'm working on. Uh, none of them are close to finished. Since I just finished the big project, I'm kind of coming down from that. And then I'm going to more get into those beginning of next year. But I'm kind of just working on the background stuff now. But yeah, there's six EPs, one big project, which is coming out early next year, I hope. I hope. But that's that's the big thing that's kind of getting in the way of other things, is trying to get this thing out. Yeah. Yeah, man. You And you've already grown so much. You have... Like close to 50,000 monthly listeners on Spotify alone. How, how did to be fair, I did have more at one stage. Oh, did my bad. Five. No, no. It changes all. Spotify, often. it's a super big misconception that no artist wants to admit. Monthly listeners on Spotify mean absolutely nothing. It is completely useless to look at that to really figure out somebody's growth and fan base. Spotify is super easy to just bot plays. And I'm not talking about like bots by like buying like actual bot accounts. Mm-hmm. It's in the sense of when you sign to a label, 99% of those labels nowadays will literally just pay for that song to be put on playlists for a month. Then once that month is over, your the, the, your song gets taken off of all the playlists and your play shoot right down. And so every time you release, your monthly listeners will jump and then they'll drop again. as like the most inconsistent jump release 
for years. But with that, you'll slowly start to see whenever it drops, it doesn't drop as much. But now I've been stuck. Like I used to like reach a hundred thousand streams and then drop ten to twenty thousand, <laughs> and it was just back and forth constantly. But now I've kind of stagnated at fifty thousand. But none of that is like really fads. I I saw this in another interview that you did. Uh, I can't remember with who, but they said that uh, SoundCloud is where the fans really are. Yeah, that is yeah. the most true thing. The most true thing. SoundCloud is where all the fan base is. And Spotify is where all the numbers are. That's how I put it. But like in it's it's been on everything else, it's been extremely steady over the past two years when it comes to number growth. So I'm I'm very happy with that because that's just natural growth. But on Spotify, it just the num the monthly listener thing annoys me. I wish it was just followers. <laughs> yeah, followers on Spotify would just make so much more sense. But monthly listeners is a cool number to see. Yeah, and I think maybe the general idea made sense. Like then you know how many people are listening to them right now. Yeah, but but like you said, it jumps. It can jump so much. Like It'll when you're on, jump back and forth constantly. If you look at any artist, whenever they release, you'll see that their monthly listeners will go up. And about a month later, if that song isn't like multinational successful. Yeah, it'll go back there. Yeah, and you'll just see that constantly, and that's very normal on Spotify, just with how labels promote things. Uh, but it's just basically how the Spotify algor algorithm works. It's just a bunch of playlists that you may or may not get added to, and people may or may not be listening to those playlists. <laughs> and so it's it's really is just a hit or miss when it comes to how much traction you really get from Spotify. But you still need to be on there. Oh yeah, it's an essential. If you're not on Spotify, you are not going to succeed. It is yes, so <laughs> unbelievably painful. Dang. You also post, like you said, a lot of music on on SoundCloud. Have you seen yes a lot of success on there as well? I, I'm currently at two thousand three hundred followers, which I think is quite decent for like where I've signed and like the kind of the, the lack of working with people over the years. Yeah. But, um, no, I think like the, the growth on SoundCloud has been really, really steady and just consistent. So, and it's been getting quicker and quicker now. So it's, it, that's good to see. Uh, that's, that's the best thing to see really. <laughs> yeah. Like you still see value in posting to SoundCloud. Oh yeah, like SoundCloud. When it comes to royalties and a lot of other things, it is terrible. Like the audio quality, how could it be this bad in this day? And age? <laughs> it is unbelievable. Every other streaming platform sounds so much better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like when it comes to growing an audience, SoundCloud is just the place. Yeah. Yeah, like a, a true audience too. Like I feel like yeah. a lot of the listeners on Spotify might not be people that would actually come to your show, whereas on SoundCloud, I feel like it'd be more so people that might actually come see you perform. Yeah, exactly. Like on on SoundCloud, you'll see the most amount of comments than any other platform. It's just the the, the odd people go to SoundCloud. It's such an easy layout. You can just find whoever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Their algorithm of finding artists is quite good as well. Um, so it's just overall a great place to grow the your audience. And people don't post on SoundCloud, which I'm like, why? People will just like put the song that the label posted on SoundCloud into a playlist and have that on their profile. But none of that traction traction is going to their profile. It's just going to the label and they just have a playlist now with that just sitting on an account. Instead of like actively posting your song on SoundCloud, get the algorithm to your profile. Because yeah. they like, do have a decent songs. algorithm. Yeah, it has a really good algorithm. Like I've been a, what's it? Like I post songs on SoundCloud and sometimes my uh, posts on SoundCloud got more streams than the labels. So it's like on Spotify, you need the label. On SoundCloud, you don't. That's very much up to you to do. 
in these past few years, what has been the most impactful, you think, to to growing Spirit Link? Ooh, that's an interesting one. I think for growing Spirit Link, for before the slushy release, it, or, yeah, I think it had to be. Uh, there was I think there was one song that really that people like generally really like. Uh, what was it? Yeah, so one of the OG releases, all in my head, was the first big boom that I got. It's still my most streamed song on Spotify. Uh, that came out in 2020. That was the greatest jump that I could have taken at the very beginning. And then after that, I think it was the uh, NCS song definitely helped a lot when it came to the numbers. When it came to growing an audience, my most recent uh, release with Lacuna have actually been the best. So but my EP that released um, fully came out uh, the thing like two weeks ago or something. Um, that entire EP has like my audience has grown so much from that or I've noticed a much stronger audience I guess. People have been much more interested in the brand since then. People are more likely to, to listen to music just because it has your name attached to it. I think, I think it has is the name is only interesting because of the character. That's I think that's the big thing in the music industry that's lacking. It's like how charming is your brand? Like is your branding super boring? Well, everyone's just going to be bored by it. Nobody will find it interesting. Like it's. It's as simple as, but if you have an interesting brand, then like you'll get like fan art and then you, you'll have a much stronger audience because there's methods for them to like show appreciation and creative ways that they can do other things with your brand and all that. It's just when you have good branding, that makes it so much easier. So if you have good branding, people will be interested and they will go back. And did you take a good amount of time to create spirit link to like decide what you wanted your branding to be what your name would be i haven't said this in public much at all but okay. the way that i came up with the name spirit link is so unbelievably stupid yeah like it is so dumb so i was thinking of starting a new brand so how did i do that i went on to a spirit animal website what's my spirit animal just as a goof to see like will it something cool come up and it came up as a lynx i was like hmm that's interesting and then my mind went full dumbass mode i said hmm spirit animal spirit lynx link <laughs> spirit link yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was the entire way i did that it was so and it works. Then I find out it's a big thing in Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, and elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, fuck it. It's sure just it. the way it is. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much how I came up with the name. Then from there, uh, the ghost character came in mind because the spirit. That's fairly simple. And uh, then from there, the, the, through the years, I think every year, the actual look of the character has changed slightly. Like, it's just slowly gotten better year by year. Yeah, it looks so professional. That was done by... um, My current logo was done by uh, Santiago. But my old ones were done by Emmy. No disrespect to Emmy. Emmy was fantastic. She did a perfect job. But the the visual style that Santiago has just looks so clean. Yes. And just very anime-like. Yes, yes. So that was, yeah. No, the the logo has progressed a lot. It used to look horrible. It was <laughs> really terrible. But I would, I don't think I have a picture of it now. I might, I might. Uh yeah. I I don't think I'll be able to find that. But yeah, no. It's it's been a long process to get the brand to where it currently is. But I think the branding is the most important thing to my growth. 100%. If I was still going with Joshua Miller and I released the exact same songs on the exact same labels, it would not have had as much appeal at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so interesting. I've not that many artists that I know of that have uh, branding where it has even like a logo that I can visualize. Like your ghost yeah, is like, like in my head, you know? Like most people will just like their logo is just like the text with cool font of their name. Yes. And I think like that does the job when you have 10 followers. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like it really is the most uninteresting way of doing things. But if you have like a really particular brand with very like out there branding that people could just say, oh, it's weird. Like it's a ghost. Very simple. And people who enjoy the ghost character. Like I've gotten a bunch of fan art of people just drawing the ghost character. The label owner of uh, Lacuna, his nephew liked the uh, song Nobody that I signed on Lacuna. Yeah. And him and his nephew both drew the character. Dude, that's so cool. I was like, that was awesome. I was, but it's the greatest feeling when you get fan art. Yeah. It's just that this thing that I've been building, people enjoy it so much that they want to draw a picture of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's unbelievable. But that's, the branding has been the best thing for my audience. 100%. So cool. Yeah, I haven't talked about branding really with anyone on this podcast yet. People don't find it way. important at all. And like, it, it annoys me a lot because I'm like, that the one thing missing from the music industry right now, who's at the top? Okay. Marshmallow, Alan Walker, like <laughs> Marshmallow, he's, he's up, he's a, you really don't need to explain Marshmallow at all, but <laughs> Alan Walker, he wears a mask with a hoodie and he kind of, he goes for the gaming community sort of thing. Yes. That's nice. Fantastic. Branding. Uh, I did the A and the W. It looks cool. Really wears it otherwise. Slushy is amazing branding. Like, it's just very, like, Marshmallow, Slushy, Spirit Link, common denominator. The name literally is the character. It is, mm. the Slushy is an actual Slushy. Marshmallow is literally a marshmallow. Spirit Link is quite literally a spirit. It is, like, it is just branding. It isn't hard, but it's getting that one thing, that one niche that you can really pick up on that you can roll with entirely. And that that's very difficult to find. That's so cool. I want to think about that a lot. That, wow. I, <laughs> it's, okay. it's something that most artists won't think about. And like, if you come up with a cool idea, but you're like, oh, I, but I've been building the current brand I have, just switch, just switch. <laughs> yes. If you're debating switching, just make a second alias and do both for a little while and see what the reactions are to them. Like, I, I currently have three aliases that I'm doing things in. There's Spirit Link, Gylo, and one secret one that has no music out yet. But they're all in completely different styles. Spirit Link is in EDM. Gylo is in, like, hyper-pop rock music. And then the other one is in just straight pop, like, 80s synth wave sort of stuff that I'm doing with my friend. It's trying things with branding and all that is just the the smart decision because you never know what's gonna work out if you put all your eggs in the one basket it will not work mm -hmm. it is if it fails then you have nothing to back <laughs> go back on so the more creative you get with it the more chances and opportunities you'll get from it man wow all right, I'm going to think more about this later. This has already been very insightful to me. Um, I want to know what is you're kind of already touched on it, but what does the future look like for you? Like, what do you want to see yourself in, like, even like five years? Well, I'm still half figuring out what that looks like, but in the next five years, all I really want want now is to have music as my like full job. I can live on my own, pay my expenses, do things. I don't even need to be like rich, just like m even like an average wage. I could be happy for the rest of my life on that. That is, as long as I can live off of music, I am fine. For the next five years, it's, it's really trying to get to that point of this is now my job. 
but if we're if we're like looking bigger than that i think like spirit link i want to grow more as a brand and have other things going for it and not just things like merchandise and all that like really useful things so like spirit link i want to like you know make sample packs on a grow a youtube channel doing tutorials i want to just do whatever something that's fun i think the biggest cop out is having a gaming channel i hate that (laughs) they never end up being funny interesting or anything it's just watching someone play a game normally yeah (laughs) but it's just seeing what i can do with the branding and make it as interesting as i possibly can and as cool as possible sort of thing so it's just i'm still currently figuring out the real like goal of it but it's very just i'm it's sim. it's just fuck around and find out essentially it's yeah you can't really do much else. <laughs> but to find out you need to first fuck around exactly it's so we're in the fucking around stage at the moment <laughs> And I hope to soon find out. <laughs> yes. It sounds like you've already yeah. been finding out a lot. It's it's a difficult place or industry to get into. Like it's it is a fifty percent skill and fifty percent luck. You really have to get lucky. But to get lucky, you have to put yourselves in the position to get lucky. Yes. Like you won't get laid if you don't go to the bar. That's the like super simple analogy, but it makes sense. Yeah. You'll only get lucky if you put yourself in the position to get lucky. So try things, essentially. Yes. Perfect, man. Well, I don't know what I expect from this interview. I I learned so much and I'm really excited to see what's next for for you in Spirit Lane. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited for it. Two minutes. Thanks again for, for coming on. I'll, yeah, of course. I'll talk to you again soon.